Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Dr. Simon calling and speaking to you from hot, wet Florida. No sun. Well, the sun was out today, first time in weeks. Um, and we're back into the pattern of 90-degree weather plus with uh, feel-like temperatures over 100 with high humidity that makes a uh, round of golf into something uh, akin to uh, playing in a uh, steam room. Exhausting and not as much fun as it is uh, in the dry season. Um, but uh, I am, want to talk today about education. And what motivates me has been motivating me now for many of my episodes over the last year or so, and that is the, the, uh, what I see as a slide into uh, terrible tribalism and the factors uh, that are destroying our democracy. And uh, again, I agree with Winston Churchill, no way for people to uh, rule themselves democracy is just better than any other way. And I want to talk about uh, education and what I see happening in education, and uh, that has been happening for a very long time now, uh, but accelerated uh, as, we, as we move into uh, uh, angry, uh, accusing, uh, name-calling um, uh, tribes that uh, do not learn from one another. And, of course, the whole goal of education was to teach. And for me, the glory of education in my personal life is that it taught me how to learn and to experience a joy and a satisfaction when I felt I did learn something new, uh, whatever that happened to be. And that's being lost. I really do believe that it is being lost. And I want to discuss why and uh, uh, talk about what the remedy of this can be, although there's nothing that's going to uh, uh, affect anything in this show uh, in the short term. Uh, I really am very bleak in my outlook that uh, things are going to get much, much worse before uh, they get better, if they get better. There are too many uh, dangers looming in terms of climate change, in terms of uh, the move or, or in many of the Western democracies to move towards some kind of a uh, totalitarian, authoritarian system uh, that uh, uh, has all of the characteristics that I fear in human relationships. That is uh, a blind anger towards anybody and anything that is not conforming to the values and the appearances of the members of your particular tribe. Um, no, tribes were dangerous when they had bows and arrows and clubs, uh, and uh, tribes that are armed with nuclear weapons uh, in, in the face of what might seriously happen uh, in the lives of my children and grandchildren uh, concerning food supplies and water supplies 
represent a horrendous uh, uh, possibility. Um, so let me talk a little about education. Um, I am the child of uh, two immigrant parents. My father was uh, born in England uh, on, on the way to America from Russia with his family. He was born in, in England as my grandfather uh, left uh, Russia uh, or that area in Poland, Russia, uh, that uh, was difficult for Jews and uh, which uh, was always threatening their lives and um, <laughs> made them members of the wrong tribe to be. Uh, my mother uh, also was brought as a child to the United States. And the thing that they loved about uh, the United States was an open, free, universal public school education. And from the moment uh, I was aware of my surroundings, uh, there were two things that my parents both lamented. My mother was allowed, she was the one of six children, and only the two youngest, and the very youngest being a boy, were allowed to go to college. My mother was a very bright woman, uh, but she was young enough uh, to be able to go out and get a, uh, a business school education so that she became a bookkeeper. And when my father passed away, she was able to sustain my brother and I uh, by being a very valued bookkeeper over long periods of time in uh, the similar companies. Um, my father ate himself alive with the fact that uh, he could not uh, uh, escape the depression, the, the terrible depression of the 1930s, and never went to college. He was an extremely bright man, very well read, uh, and uh, he ended up working in the post office. Uh, and when he died, he was studying for all kinds of exams to become uh, higher up in the administration of the post office, which probably would have better served his ambitions. There was no question that my brother and I had to have a full education. This was nirvana. This was heaven. This was something that simply did not exist in the old country. Not only was the education uh, uh, universal and public, but it was free. It was free uh, for all children and mandatory for all children through high school, uh, although by high school you could branch out into academic or vocational uh, or, or business, uh, if you wish, uh, and then go on to college. And while colleges were available uh, to those who were both motivated and able to uh, partake of them, uh, the cost of a college education, particularly for my brother and I, uh, was uh, a, a city university. I never thought of going anywhere else. We did not have the money or the availability or even the, the, the knowledge that I could uh, get on a plane or a car and go to a private educational facility. It was the city college. Uh, and I went to the city college, and I went for free. And uh, when my professors at, in the psychology department 
the, the more elite professors, and they were a who's who of American psychology, uh, were transferred to NYU uh, to become the, the professors in their new PhD programs, um, I was given uh, a kind of an entry because I was a city college student to join them at NYU where I got my doctorate for free. Um, I paid a total of $300 over three years while working on my thesis uh, for uh, um, uh, was a student, uh, uh, a fee you had to pay while you were not taking classes and not yet finished with um, your coursework, uh, with your degree. So I am a fanatical advocate of public education. What bound us together in this country was an education that I could criticize in many ways and will. If not, I don't finish it tonight, I'll do it another time. Uh, I'll do a second, maybe a third uh, broadcast uh, about education and stories from and about. Um, I didn't like all of my teachers. Some of them I found too strict. Some of them I found indifferent. But over the years of my education, many of my heroes to this day were my teachers and professors. Uh, public school teachers, a high school teacher named Sam Troik, who turned down principalships um, num numerous times uh, because he loved being in the classroom. He taught chemistry. Uh, and because of that, I ended up going into college as a chem major. Um, other things turned me in other directions. Uh, professors that I had in college who are to this day my heroes. These were individuals, all of whom loved their subject matter. Uh, there was nothing political about them. Very important how education has been politicized, both left and right, in a very destructive, tribal type of way, um, where there is the truth. The, the, if there was a truth uh, for these professors of mine, it was because they believed in the particular theories and they mounted evidence uh, to hold on to those theories, some of which... I could learn through them and other professors and teachers uh, to be critical of. What I developed uh, along the way was what uh, Postman and Weingarten, who two, uh, in the 60s and early 70s wrote several books about education that were critical of education uh, in some ways. And then, well, the, the original book, uh, Postman and Weingarten, was uh, teaching as a subversive activity. Uh, sometime later, they wrote a book called Teaching as a Conserving Activity. But their belief was that an individual who was a citizen of his country must develop a broad knowledge about the country, about its history, uh, but be educated in a wide variety of areas, in the sciences, in the arts, uh, liberal arts education, which today is disappearing because we're turning our educational system into job training. And there is nothing wrong with job training. Uh, it's important that somebody come out as an educated individual 
who can earn a living. But it's equally important that they come out as an educated citizen having what Postman and Weingarten are called a crap finder. That when you hear bullshit, it sounds like bullshit to you. And that because you were trained in the sciences, in the arts, uh, because you had read a wide variety of literature, uh, because you understood historical tendencies and historical circumstances, um, uh, I'm still a very big believer in a core curriculum for the first two years of college uh, in which you take economics and history and philosophy and a math course and, and uh, uh, courses that uh, stimulate art and music, things that stimulate your imagination and stimulate uh, an understanding of the cultural context in which you live. Yes, there is always bias in any selection of courses. But if it's broad enough, you develop an idea that truth is not what you're seeking, but facts that support statements claiming to be truth. There's no way to, to, to uh, uh, be able to, to, to make this statement more important. We are being bombarded with ideologies right now. We are bombarded with conspiracy theories. And they're believed because of the authority of the individuals who speak them. There seems to be no basis in the education of our more, more, millions and millions of our citizens to understand and ask, what is the evidence, the factual evidence for the statements that are being made? I was watching a reporter uh, talk to a, a variety of people in one of uh, Trump's um, uh, his get-togethers. His uh, he goes out and he storms the crowd and he gets them all. And they said, "Do you believe?" And he never asked, "What are the facts that are being provided to support the claims that the president is making?" But this is true of any authority. Ultimately, we have to take things on faith. But an educated person who gets a diagnosis, a serious diagnosis from their doctor, and which says that you have to have major surgery, knows to go take the information that he provides and is provided freely and openly, take the diagnosis, take the medical records, take the uh, the, the uh, x-ray evidence, the blood tests, and get a second and if necessary, a third opinion, because the truth has to be based on facts. When we give the truth, and this happens from a good education, we provide the facts that support it. And we don't call people stupid and idiots and unpatriotic and criminal if they don't believe us. That's their problem. But we have done our best to provide them the evidence that what we say is not crap. And this is so important, a function of education. Uh, I'm watching us abandon public education, the kind of education that, that creates in a student an idea of the history and the common activities of their country. Um, 
when I got to college and I read uh, the, the in politics, I had a term of politics, a year of economics, macro and individual microeconomics. Uh, all of these courses were not given ideologically, but they were based upon an idea of what the facts were in an economy, what makes it go up and what makes it go down, and introduced to the controversies and the ideas that existed on many sides of an argument with the same set of facts. There was no name-calling. Nobody said, well, that economist is an idiot, or that economist is a liberal, or that economist is a conservative, as if calling somebody a conservative or a liberal is enough to undermine and get an individual to cease listening from an individual whose opinion about the facts and how to interpret them is different. Um, we're watching the dismemberment of public education. It is true that any parent has the right to take their child out of public education and put them into any private type of education, religious or otherwise. That's their right. But not when we move our money from the public domain to the private. The right of individuals to take their children and teach them that the Bible, whatever Bible it happens to be, is the one and only truth. Uh, even though the facts of science may uh, come up against them uh, and, and prevent them from understanding the facts of science so that they can as individuals come to some kind of a conclusion in their own mind after a struggle as to how to interpret the science and how to interpret the, the Bible or the religious doctrines uh, that, that comprise an important part of their life and education. Um, I watched in, in, in my, my teaching of 36 years, uh, that more and more professors took political stands in the classroom. Occasionally they were con uh, conservative stands, but often they were a kind of liberalism. They did two things. One, it said, your opinion is more valuable than anything else because you as an individual are important. I watched as English teachers uh, would criticize me or somebody else for marking the grammar of a paper that we found incomprehensible on the grounds that uh, the grammar wasn't important. It was the creative struggle of the individual that's important. And yes, I am a big advocate of being a creative individual, a creative uh, problem-solving uh, individual as a citizen. But we also have an obligation to each other. And when we communicate, communicate in an idea, in a way that can be understood. Uh, I watched this, this uh, from, from an education as a youngster that really uh, demanded conformity. I remember an art class somewhere in public school where first I used the brown crayon and then I used the red crayon and then I used the blue crayon. Uh, and, and the idea that you could teach art uh, 
by the numbers uh, that I find later to be horrendous. On the other hand, most good artists take what they have learned from the techniques and styles and attitudes of the artists who have come before them. Uh, when an individual develops a theory or a form of art that's totally disconnected from what's gone before, it becomes incomprehensible and ends up being called psychotic. It, 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 it's, it's jarring, and there's no way for an individual to get into the mind of another individual unless there is an overlap between the mind of the person who's hearing a music or looking at a painting and the person who's painted it. When, when you look at Matisse, when you look at uh, uh, Picasso, it was jarring but initially, but you saw its relationship to other uh, more, more practiced forms of art and understood how creative and revolutionary it was, even though initially all of these artists and scientists, and this included Freud with his theories, as difficult as some of them are, uh, and critical, uh, you know, we can criticize them in so many ways, uh, as the mind of a crazy person. But you could see the connections that came before. So it's, to me, always the, the tension between the society at large and its history and the individual trying to push the envelope into ways that reflect his or her way of seeing uh, the world uh, as, as an individual, as nobody else can see it. Um, I don't know what else I could say. Um, when when I, I watch people take the news only from what they consider a liberal source, only, and only from a conservative source, or uh, when there is no dialogue between people, when the belief uh, comes only from the political leader who provides uh, his theories and his ideas uh, without any evidence to support them. And these are swallowed whole. I despair. I despair. Uh, I despair on many levels because I have studied history and because I am a Jew. And when in Nazi Germany and for the hundreds of years before, the only source of education for large numbers of people was the church and a church that taught that the Jews killed Christ uh, uh, and that Christ was the developer of Christianity and really wasn't a Jew and didn't live and die as a Jew. The Last Supper was a Passover Seder. Uh, when I hear this, that the only way information comes is from the authority haranguing them and demanding that you take on faith without asking for critical evidence to support the statements being made, I get very frightened. That the Jews, we were told in Germany, were, had started the war, and they were responsible for Germany losing the war. This coupled with what came out of the pulpit 
from so many religious leaders, areas, and particularly in Poland uh, and Eastern Europe, where you had largely an illiterate peasantry. And while I'm talking about this, nobody has to go for liberal or a regular college education. I think everybody, uh, some years ago when I was in Italy, I learned that everybody in Italy really learns two sets of ideas in school. One is something they can use their hands with. And number two, uh, uh, to read, write, and think critically, understand history, understand literature. Uh, reading the great books of literature. And again, when I came of age, it was mostly American and English. Uh, more and more stuff is being translated from all over the world. And some of the best books I have read that, that give me a sense of joy in the reading, but at the same time make me aware that the suffering and the happiness of the characters who come from China or, or Japan or different parts of Asia or Africa are just as human as I am. No more, no less. We all suffer. We all worry about our children. We all want much more of the same things than we don't want. And... They're great literature. It makes you think. It makes you aware of the commonalities of the human species and the importance of understanding and asking critical questions. So, I don't know how we're going to go back and provide the kind of, of education that allows somebody to come out as a literate carpenter as a literate plumber, as a literate artist, as a literate scientist, as a literate anything that has caught their fancy and says, I want to enjoy my life in this job, in this profession. Allow me to support myself, but at the same time that it does for me and gives me glory I can put back into the society what is necessary for all of us to suffer less and have more pleasure. Well, I don't know if I'll do another show on this. I was things I wanted to talk about specifically, uh, but I think I said what I wanted to say. I'm going to hold on for a few minutes. Um, I think I'm going to watch a movie. My wife is out this evening, so I can watch what I want. Uh, or not watch at all. We'll see. Uh, if you want, you could call in at 646-716-7756. And we can talk about education, mine, yours, others. No, I'm, I surprise people. I come on. I wasn't planning on doing this. Um, there wasn't a uh, Democratic club meeting tonight. They, they were off for the summer, uh, although I will be becoming active uh, shortly and spending as much time as I can humanly do to get people to vote. I will not tell people who to vote for, but I will insist that they vote, vote, vote. 
because you are not a citizen of this great democracy unless you do vote. When I uh, was 21, when I was 20 years old, 1960, good grief, I'm going to be 78 in a few days. Does that boggle my head? Uh, I wanted to vote for John Kennedy, and I couldn't because the voting age was 21. Now it's 18, and fewer people of my of a, this cohort vote than in mine. Uh, you can't have a society without people participating. So I will try to make as many phone calls as I can. I will not politicize the election. Uh, I will simply say we cannot have a democracy unless we have an educated population that votes. Educated in the general sense and in the political sense. What are the facts? Where do we want to go? What are our common aspirations? What do we want to see our politics provide? Because I don't know anybody who feels that what it's providing now is anything but, but mind-numbing and, and sickening. All right, ladies and gentlemen, whoever you hear this, this week my biggest audience outside of the United States was in Russia. I've never had that before, but I like that. Um, if you hear this, you could send me a message. I love that when I get messages. Sometimes I read them and I send back a counter message. I start a dialogue with somebody. It's nice to know I'm not simply speaking into air. So, good night. Good luck. May our wonderful democracy continue.